listen to your body. Um, I think there's not a lot of that. That is not said very often, but your body, you were created um, with a body, brain, and the limbic system, and all the things. And sometimes if we pay attention to those things, it's giving us information. So my encouragement would be when we listen to that, we're aware, hey, there's something that's coming up for me. Maybe I could go to someone that has some training, or not some, that has training in, in doing this work and helping me navigate through what is my body telling me about my experiences. Um, and then my encouragement and a little piece that I want to, like an invitation for all the listeners and future clients or even current clients is that you are capable of doing hard things. We are two unique female professionals and friends that have come together to have meaningful conversations and a little fun along the way. Welcome to the Arable Podcast, where curious minds grow. I'm your host, Jenna Mountain, and I'm your other host, Kimberly Galindo. Well, we are so happy to announce a return guest. That feels really exciting because we're kind of a young podcast, so we have a returning guest, Abdulia. Our, as as we call her, Abdi the Great at uh, Aspen great. House. So. We have read her bio to y'all before, but, you know, it deserves a little bit of repeating, and then we're going to dive into our awesome conversation with her. Um, Abdi is an LPC associate in the great state of Texas. She's an EMDR-trained therapist, and she's also pursuing her certification in sex therapy, so she's, like, double threat there. Um, and if that weren't enough, she's both bilingual and bicultural, um, which allows her to have firsthand understanding of the importance of sitting with clients who have struggled with culture or family of origin issues or difficulties with being a minority. Abdi hopes to provide culturally informed access to mental health healing through the BIPOC uh, community. With a particular focus on the Latinx community, she understands how intersectionality can impact the lives of individuals and how it affects mental wellness. Um, She works with lots of different people. She sees individuals, couples, um, and obviously sees the Latinx community with such um, powerful work and walks so well with them. Um, Welcome back, Abdi. So happy to have you here again to chat with us. I'm excited to be back here. I was like, ooh, this is fun. I'm excited. So thanks for letting me do this again with y'all. Absolutely. Yeah. It was so much fun the first time. We thought we had to do round two. Yeah, absolutely. So, Abdi, um, again, thank you for joining us uh, for a second time. And we will put a link in the show notes to the previous episode. So if people missed that or hadn't joined us by then, like we'll, we'll send them back there and have them get to know you the first time. Um, and so we're just going to peel back another layer as we do this Aspen House series um, with all of our team. And we'd like to jump in by having you tell us your story. We want to get to know you and kind of deep dive, um, you know, what drew you to the field of mental health? What was your journey getting here? Tell us about that. Um, okay. So are you ready? It's a long story. I'm just kidding. I um, love it. But- <laughs> 
yeah, take out your popcorn, all your snacks, and just sit back, <laughs> relax, and listen. Um, so my journey into the mental health field. So backstory for the ones that don't know. Um, I grew up, you know, in ministry. My parents are both pastors with ministers, um, you know, missions and church planting. So that was a lot of what my life looked like. I went to Bible college right after high school, and part of you know what I thought I was supposed to do um, was to go into the mission field and just help all the people and you know kind of share uh, Jesus and all of that. And in doing that, um, I was exposed to a lot of hurting people and um, realizing that there's so much need out there um, so many individuals that you know there it's not just like a, a specific like material need but it's something much more deeper than that and I had the opportunity to connect with different programs and ministries and there was one um, in Europe in Spain and I spent a few months there and I was like ready to commit and like move my whole life and become European and, and all the things and um, with that program, one of the things that the director said was, if you had um, a degree in like psychology or something else, we would love to hire you so you can be part of this team, you know, full time and we can just hire you and all the things. And that is, I think, what sparked that idea of, hmm, I can get additional training in this. I already like being able to work with people and just kind of walk with them through their complexities of life. Um, and, and it ended up not working out, but it did open up that door and planted that seed of, Hey, you can actually go and learn and, um, just like broaden your, your experiences, your, your knowledge, your education in this field. And that is what kind of led me to go back to school and get my undergrad degree in human services. And with that, um, I also, um, got plugged in to work for an inpatient for adolescents and a dual diagnosis. So teenagers, yeah, that was that was quite the experience. Um, it really did teach me um, quite a bit, and I got to work along with other therapists and just kind of see the work that they did with those teenagers. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, yeah. Now looking back, I was like, I don't necessarily want to do that work, but I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm happy that I was exposed to that and I just got to see um, the potential in therapy. So went back to school, got my undergrad, um, then moved back here to Texas and you know got my master's degree. Still was plugged into a lot of other organizations and programs. Um, at one point I worked at a, um, a residential home for moms and kids in crisis. So my life has always been around you know helping people and social services, human services. And, but there was always like that missing piece of, okay, I can help you with this, but there's something that's underneath that. And how, how can we, you know, like we heal that or uncover that. And then that's what led me into, you know, getting my, my master's in professional counseling. And now I'm like, this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, and I was thinking actually the other day, I was like, sometimes I get emotional when I think like, this is where I am. I'm doing my dream job. Like, this is what I've always dreamed of doing. And I get to do that. I have that opportunity. So 
uh, long story short, what led me to this to this field, to this career, is just you know life experiences and the exposure of what what there is out there. Um, so that's why I am here. Andy, there's so much about your story I did not know. Like there was like there's this like potential missions placement that needed you to get a psychology degree and that's the domino one of the dominoes that set you off to cross paths with us. I'm like, wow. It's amazing. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. No, and you just hear your heart too, Abby, which we know, but like, you know, that it just not to just be helpful, but to see real lasting change. Root level change not just let me be helpful to you at the surface level but this real um, authentic change was something that you wanted so I love that I love hearing your story tell our audience a little bit about um kind of your your specialty your niche um we all kind of have some common general things that we do at Aspen House but what makes Abby a unique special therapist on our team I think part of also like my my story and kind of being exposed to a lot of things I've been able to realize like you know I do have a passion for working with specific individuals or or you know life complexities or situations and challenges and I think um, right now I would say you know trauma but within that you know being able to work with couples do sex therapy. I love doing that work and it brings so much joy. And I know some people are like, I mean, why do you sex therapy and do that work with couples? And I'm like, no, you have no idea. Like to be able to see the outcome and, and just the healing and then like celebrate with couples and be like, yes, baby steps and celebrate that. Um, I, I, I just, I love that I get to do that work um, mm -hmm. as well as my, you know, Latinx, Latino, Latina clients that they're just like, hey, you get to, uh, you understand this part of me. And even with that, it's so, you know, diverse and complex and being able to say like, hey, let's navigate that together. Let's, let me sit with you and just be in the uncomfortable and explore all the pieces. Um, so I, I love being able to just like connect with those clients that, might share the same experiences culturally um, or not, but that there's that cultural aspect or unknown or healing that also needs to happen. Um, you know, so I love doing that work as well. Um, and then I think the other thing is the faith and mental health integration portion, especially being, you know, a pastor's kid and knowing, uh, you know, firsthand my experience mm -hmm. and in the Latino community and you know, growing up as a PK, a pastor's kid, and like mental health, culture, and faith, and what that looks like, and being able to walk with clients um, that want to integrate their faith, or just even process what that looks like with mental health. Um, I would say that probably would fall under what, what my, my thing is in therapy. Gosh, I love that, Abdi, just hearing your specialty and what makes you come alive do you have a favorite aspect of your work you know just of, of all the things you do EMDR you do sex therapy you walk with the Latinx community and the faith community is there a favorite part of your work that just 
I don't know, just kind of extra special for you? I, so I'm also like a visual learner and visual person. And if you ask my clients, I'm always painting pictures and like Mm. throwing up, you know, these analogies and metaphors and all the things. And one of my favorite things that I always um, like to offer my clients is our hope balloons. So, you know, I kind of explain like you're walking into session and you have all of these things that you're carrying and it's really hard to hold on to anything else. So as we do our work, we're kind of unpacking that and we're freeing up your hands to just know that I'm over here on this side and I'm holding onto a hope balloon. And when you're ready, I can hand that over to you. And my, what like brings me life is the moment when they realize, I think I'm ready to hold onto my hope balloon. Like that, oh, that just like gives me all the warm and fuzzies and I'm seeing that light, like, in their face of, of the healing that they're finally acknowledging or, you know, the, mm. the hope that they are holding on to. Um, it's just, to me, it's so rewarding. And that makes all the process like so special to see when my clients like realize that for themselves. Oh, I love it. That's, I think that's my favorite part. My favorite aspect of the work that I do with my I love that imagery that you use. I am also a big um, imagery person. In fact, that's something that when I was in supervision, like we discussed a lot, is just kind of my use of imagery and um, word pictures. And it's it's a major tool that shows up for me as well. And um, I don't know in all that we've ever discussed and kind of the ins- – I don't know if I've ever heard you describe your hope balloons process with your clients, and I love it. I think that's so sweet. I do think as counselors we – lend them our hope we hold the space for hope we keep it in the space when they don't know how to Um, and so I love that you have this really beautiful picture of holding it for them but so ready to give it to them as they find the power to do that in their own lives so ah, I love that so much um you know as we are talking about um, kind of the fun parts um, I would love and it's been an interesting, what are we in now, two years? I don't know, however many at this point, almost three uh, by the time this airs. And so, like, it's been an interesting few years. And I would love, from your unique professional perspective, um, what are the mental health patterns or dynamics that you see in our world and communities today? Like, how are people being pressed? What are the major issues showing up in your office? Um, help educate our listeners, because sometimes when we just hear some general ideas or stories, I don't know, we feel validated, we feel invited into maybe our own healing process. Like, what are you seeing? What are you observing? Yeah. Oh, man. Let me pull out my list of things. Um, I think when we also kind of think of what a lot, everybody has been experiencing these past two, three years with the pandemic and all of that, and now seeing like the effect and all of this. We thought that we had an idea, but now it's like, okay, now a lot of things are starting to surface. Um, I think what I have noticed is a little bit more awareness of, what's the word I want to use? I think of the need to set boundaries which, I, like, that's a, to me, I think that's a big deal. 
Um, I've noticed that more recently with a lot of my clients needing to do a lot of boundary work because there is an awareness of I'm important and I need to take care of myself because we've learned throughout this pandemic that there are all these other factors that are affecting me. Um, I think, yeah, I, I would probably say that is one of the bigger things, um, you know, that fatigue, the um, just being exhausted with life and all the things that are showing up um, and acknowledging that, yeah. you know, they, they need to, you know, want to work on kind of filling themselves and, um, yeah, just like healing that part. I'm trying to think if there's an easier like way to, to explain that, but, and I'll just like kind of, um, go off of what has been coming into my office more recently. It has been that awareness of, Hey, I'm an important human being. I have all of these things that are showing up for me. How, wow. how can I set boundaries? How can I use my voice? Um, I think that for me, that's what I've, those are some of the patterns that I've noticed. Um, and those are really foundational. And it makes a lot of sense considering the context, right? The, the pressures. I mean, I think just generally the human experience, right? The pressures of life and that calling us into the choice as to whether or not we set boundaries and what that gives us. But I think this particular context where there's so many voices and there's so much pressure and there's so much stress and exhaustion and fear and uh, all of it, it's pressed us to almost hear in what you're saying, like people coming in with this, if I don't choose myself, if I don't get some boundaries soon, it's not going to be good. You know, because usually, I don't know if y'all would describe this, but for most most journeys, it's, I get into this process, and then the therapist goes, you know, let's talk about boundaries, and we introduce that idea, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, let's work on that. They're coming in with, okay, listen, <laughs> it's, <laughs> the world is, you know, it's, it's a hard place. I need my fences to be good so that I am good within them, and... I need to protect me because this has value. You know, I, I have value. Um, and I don't know if kind of pre-pandemic, if I heard a lot of folks kind of leading with, I'm coming in with that, you know. And so I think that's a powerful, that's a powerful observation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely, I would say, I think uh, in the beginning of pandemic, it was more of like, I have all of these things help. I need help to even acknowledge that I need fences. Um, and then now we're in this place where they're like, Hey, I know I need this. I need, you know, some help to learn how to explain some of these fences. One of the things when I explain to my clients, what boundaries are, cause I think there's also this idea of like, Oh, you set a boundary. So you put up this wall and now you have no access to me. Um, which feels really yucky and uncomfortable, you know, to our surroundings. But I saw, I can't remember where I saw it. It was probably like a social media post where they were talking about, you know, boundaries are, they're not a wall that you put up, but it's the door that you show people that how they can interact and have access to you. 
um, which has been very, for me, like changing the way that I see that. Like, no, I'm not saying you can't access me at all. I'm just telling you a way that you can do it in a helpful and more healthy way. Um, and sometimes when I'm able to explain that with clients, they're just like, oh, that makes more sense and it feels a little bit better to say, I'm going to set this boundary for me yeah. instead of now I have to put up this huge wall and you're never going to have access to me. Um, so I definitely have noticed that kind of showing up for, for clients that are coming in that they're like, I don't know what to do. I, I have all of this going on. So, um, yeah. yeah. When I, I have, so you've said a couple things that I'm going to just follow up on with some comments and I, I think maybe even just the three of us have, have had sideline conversations about this, but you know, the last few years, um, and I've, I've said it before and I will say it a million times cause I think it's just a good reminder. It's been both an accelerator and a catalyst, you know, an accelerator means it just sped up what, what we, the direction we were already going, the things that were already coming up for us and a catalyst means it, when something gets added into the mix, it does just actually change uh, the properties of the mix. And so I do think there have been things that have been sped up that were already coming. And I hear you talking about that. Like these people already knew they were struggling with boundaries. These people already knew that something wasn't okay, but the pressure and the context of the last few years has almost pressed humanity to a point where it's like, we just can't ignore these little things. They're not ignorable anymore. And so it sounds like some of what you've seen in your office is people going, it is no longer an option for me to ignore my boundaries that are where I need them. And then I think about, and it's probably been on social media, um, but one of my favorite, it's like a video clip and I can't ever find it when I try to search for it, but it's Brene Brown and she's sitting there talking about, um, she's talking about love and service and all of these other great words. And she kind of gets on this patterned language dialogue where she's like, you know, love without boundaries by definition is no longer love. It changes the definition of it. And so, um, and service without boundaries actually turns into something else. And so when I lose the lines that define my personhood and my limits, the connection or the interaction between us by definition changes. And so I love that your the people that you're working with are learning that it is because they define that doorway that actual true connection can happen. So I love that ah, I love that you described that for our people. So good. Abzi, what do you think um, and you can have a few, but maybe one big misconception or myth about therapy you see out there or you hear about that you would just love to see go away <laughs> like you just hear it a lot and you're like I just need this to go away about therapy I think there's two that come up for me so one is a you know only crazy people go to therapy like that just like mm, no yeah like we all need therapy and I mean, I could probably say I might go a little crazy sometimes, but that doesn't mean that, that, you know, that's the only reason why I need to go to therapy. Um, and I think it also stems from there being shame mm. for whatever reason. Um, and I've actually even had some of these conversations with my clients of like when they're sharing with their family or friends, like, Hey, I'm in therapy. 
hesitation or reservation to not want to say anything. One, because there's that misconception of like, oh man, things must be really, really bad or you're really, really screwed up because you're going to therapy. Um, and having that shame of, I don't want to, you know, have these assumptions made about me. Um, and then when, when I try to think about wishing that it would, that misconception that it would go away. And I think of the ability of being able to say like, Hey, I'm going to the doctor because I'm going to get checked out my regular checkup. My, it's such a normal thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not okay. Or there's shame when you talk about going to see a professional to help you with your mental health. So I think if I have a magical wand and I can remove some of those misconceptions, that's what I would remove. The shame and the, you know, that misconception that you're crazy if you're going to therapy. Mm, I love it. I love it. That's good. Yeah, I think it's a, I think there's a lot of them. Um, in your own words, describe a healthy therapist and a healthy therapeutic process for our listeners because I... Man, I would say some of the things that I am bumping up against the most in my own, you know, clinical process with people is um, the, so we're talking, you're talking about kind of like the mental health stigma in your last answer, but I'm thinking about the mental health myths about what do, how do, how do people experience therapy and like what happens and how long does it take? And like, what does a healthy therapist do? And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions in that regard. Um, so I'm curious how you would describe a healthy therapist and a healthy process. Um, I think of, I don't know if y'all have seen Big Bang Theory, um, with Leonard's mom. And how she's so old. <laughs> this just and... went to a really great place. Okay. I'm just going to take this all in as you go. Okay, go. <laughs> well, and also because I've had a client that one had said, oh, I'm just glad that you're not like Leonard's mom. Um, and it, so, yeah. And I think part of it is, you know, I know and I understand and I also want to hold space that everybody is different and no therapists are created equally. Um, so take into consideration personalities and therapeutic approaches and all of that. But I think like the baseline, um, being able to have that therapeutic relationship, empathy, and being able to hold space. Um, when I think of a healthy therapist, um, I think of someone that can hold space for their client and that can look very different for many people. Um, whether that's either challenging them with their thoughts or whatever's coming up for them, or just being able to validate and have empathy. Um, when I think of my goal as a therapist is I want to provide a safe therapeutic space that my clients can come into, you know, my office and get comfortable and know that there's no judgment, that I'm not going to make it about myself because this is their experience, not me, not mine. Um, a place where they know that they will be challenged um, and a, a space where we might have days where we need to be flexible and all we need to do is just sit there and hold space and allow them to cry or allow them to 
to celebrate. Um, that's what it looks like for me. Um, when I think of a therapist or what an unhealthy therapist might look like, I, I, I probably lean a little towards some of those behavioral um, aspects of Leonard's mom, where a little frigid and cold and maybe making it about yourself and not the client. Um, but thinking about the therapeutic process, I think it looks different for every client. Um, I don't think it's a linear experience and there's a lot of ups and downs and bumps around that, you know, you might need to consider there for some clients, you know, you might need to pause and break and reassess where, where you're at. Um, so I think for, you know, the listeners and if they're considering or they don't know what to expect in, in therapy, I think maybe a good question to have and to bring to the therapist is, you know, what their thoughts are on, or what their therapeutic approach, what the, what will that might that look like, um, and understanding that their experience might look different. Um, but I think just kind of having an idea of their experience is going to be their own. Um, so there's no like one size fits all. Um, you could be in therapy for a few weeks, or you can be in therapy for a few years. So it's really hard to say. This is this is kind of like the checkbox, and then you're good to go. Um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. It does. I think I think the part I, I really appreciate is you casting a vision for um, some healthy variety. Um, but I know I know I always a little bit brace when a client walks in and is like, so I talked to all my friends who've been in therapy because they're struggling with the process. And I'm like, oh, this is either going to be great or this is going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they're like, I don't, I don't look like her. Or I don't look like him. And so I really don't know if this is working for me. And I'm like, oh, your process is so unique to you. Or they come back and they're like, man, they all said it was worth it. It was different for all of them. And so I'm hanging in there. And so I, I, I do appreciate that you cast the vision for for a lot of variety. Yeah, and let it be human and complex and nuanced because, you know, that's kind of what it is if it's going to be a human experience, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. Um, if you could gift our audience with a piece of therapeutic information, maybe a tip, a suggestion, Maybe it's an encouragement or an invitation. What would you like to to gift them with? What would that be? So I have two things that come up for me. Um, I think one is to listen to your body. Um, I think there's not a lot of that. That is not said very often, but your body, you were created. Um, with a body, brain, you know, limbic system, and all the things, and sometimes if we pay attention to those things, it's giving us information. So my encouragement would be when we listen to that, we're aware, hey, there's something that's coming up for me. Maybe I could go to someone that has some training, or not some, that has training in, in doing this work and helping me navigate through what is my body telling me about my experiences. Um, and then my encouragement and a little piece that I want to, like an invitation for all the listeners and future clients or even current clients is, 
that you are capable of doing hard things. And when you start therapy, it's not easy and it's a process. And you are capable of doing hard things. So that's my encouragement to everyone who is listening. Oh, that's good. I love that. I do wish... um, you know, we talk about that a lot at Aspen House. It's like doing the hard things and doing them well. Um, and that we are capable of, of making those choices and walking through those things. And so um, I I think that is so valuable. Um, to other professionals in the mental health field right now who are kind of talking to like these clients or potential clients, you know, that are kind of like out there in the space, somebody's client, a future client, if you will. Um, let's talk to the professionals. You know, we have a, a round table in the circle at Aspen House and we, you know, I think, I think everybody in this conversation loves Aspen House because of the community dynamic. And, and we've not had as high of one in these last few years. That's been really hard. Community has been hard. Um, but that's one of the things we love about Aspen House. I know not everybody has that, and so they don't get to talk to other professionals. They don't get to have that sounding board like we do constantly. Um, what 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 do you what do you think what do you think our colleagues need to hear um, in this time in this space? Like, what would you want to offer? I would like to say to them that I'm grateful for them for the work that they do. I think a lot of times. The work that we do as therapists, not just not just in the one hour, fifteen minutes that you spend with clients, but outside of that, like the preparation and the training and the thinking, you know, coming across a, a book and saying, "Oh my gosh, I should be grateful for this client," or seeing a post and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I need to, you know, share that or bring that up in session because we care for our clients." And and I think what I would say to my colleagues is, you know, I'm grateful for them. Um, I want to acknowledge the work, the commitment, the capacity and effort that goes into the work that they do. Um, and that I see that work, that effort, the commitment that they um, put into <clears throat> into that, into their clients, into the work that they do. Um, and, and yeah, just saying thank you for sticking doing this work because it's not easy sometimes um and so thank you Mm, that's good yeah i think what i hear you saying is hey i see you and it matters you know which is so valuable okay as we little fun pivot here in the conversation what movie or tv character would best represent your therapeutic style Especially after that whole example you gave on the front end of this episode. So, I, I'm i ready. Okay, this is... Man, I struggle with this. Because I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it was hard. So, I don't know. I think if I could maybe create a character, I would describe what, you know, maybe what a character um, would represent... You can also give us, like, this is who I'm not. Okay. So I'm not Leonard's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Not 
Um, I the, love the turtle. Uh, the like wise turtle. Yes. I can't. I don't know his name. I but think, from, I, I'm I'm googling. Y'all continue. Okay, so kind of like that idea of like very. Um, I mean, I know I'm not saying I'm wise, but like that soft kind of chill. I'm just you know going through all of this, and I'll get this part of life, and and then acknowledging and saying like, see, I told you, but not really saying that in session. Um, <laughs> I think it's like a mix between that, and I don't know if there would be a character to describe like when I think of like my Latino side and get into like specific topics with my clients and kind of mm. I almost want to say you know like that fun aunt that was like oh my gosh tell me more yeah okay oh, yeah that. tell me more <laughs> so I think there's like a mix between those two which are very opposite ah, um, my heart feels so warm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think so I do have my moments where I'm just like you know sitting like very quiet reserved like oh yeah let me validate that for you and you know empathetic and and just like tell me all the things and, and calm and then there's a side of like oh my gosh really you don't say yeah tell me more like a little bit more you know spicier <laughs> um yeah so it's a mix of those two I love that then my heart Perfect. felt so my heart felt so warm because I literally so I have a niece who is still technically an infant um but you know interacting and facial expressions and that you know she's over one also and um she's still kind of she's sassy and she kind of looks at me sometimes like I don't know about you lady and I just look at her and say I'm your favorite you just don't know it yet I'm gonna be I'm aunt like, I'm auntie, we're going to, like, you just don't know the things yet, but you're going to be in my house, and we're going to be getting into trouble together, and, like, I'm your favorite. It's okay. Take your time. You can warm up, but, like, I'm your favorite. So when you said that, I was like, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love it. That was so good. Okay, um, talking about a few rough years, you know, just hadn't been a cakewalk. Um, <laughs> easier for some, harder for others. What is your go-to favorite self-care activity right now? Like, what's your jam? Because I, I know for me, if there's anything I've learned over the past few years, is that those things shift depending on the season. And so, like, what used to work for me didn't work for me. And, like, we talked about that on the podcast before. So I'm curious. Miss Abby, inspire us. What's your go-to self-care activity? So, yes, it definitely shifts depending on the season and the experiences that I'm currently going through. Um, right now, my go-to self-care so I have two different things I do when I need to take care of me by myself and like recharge alone I'll probably spend some time watching just I don't want to say trash tv it's not trash um like an episode it's okay if it is. we don't have to cover that up we just, <laughs> we just really proudly own that in this space yes well and yes but mainly, I would say the type of, like, shows that I watch, and maybe this is, like, a little bit of, like, my nerd side. I have a very small nerd side in me. Um, kind of, like, the sci-fi, magical, unrealistic type TV shows, you know, like Doctor Who and, and things like that, which I know, like, the reality of it is, like, that. That's I know that's not real. And I think it's helpful because it disconnects me from, like, current experiences, and I get to 
go off into La La Land and just not have to think and experience all the magical, wonderful things. Um, so I will just kind of disconnect and sit and, and eat some hot Cheetos with, with lime and watch a yes. show or two. Yes. That's yes. a delicious snack. Hot Cheetos, if you have not tried that, you need to get some hot Cheetos with lime and just let them get all soggy. I know it's gross, but oh my gosh, eat it with a spoon. That's me. Because then you don't want the stuff on There's your There's nothing fingers. gross about that. You're um, inspiring our taste buds. Yes. Like, you, so you good. need to try it. Um, I love it. And then the other thing is when I need to be with my people, um, either just going to you know coffee shop or boba tea and just you know spending time with my people and enjoying all the different flavors of coffee or boba tea. Those are my two ways self-care. Oof. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, ma'am. You're a delight, as always. One of our favorites. Don't tell the rest of the team. Um, we close the episode, as you know, with the same two questions. So what would you like to leave the audience with, and what would you like your takeaway to be? Um, I would likely leave the audience with, um, I'm going to go back to the, you know, that piece of encouragement that you can do hard things. Know that your experience is your experience and giving therapy a try if you've never done that because you are an important human being and you are worth working on yourself and taking care of you um that is what i would like to leave mm, so good okay miss abdi final question what's your takeaway from our time together today I'd probably say my takeaway is taking my words and putting them on myself, reminding myself that Mm. I'm also an important human being and I can do hard things and taking care of me um, is as important too. That's right. That's right. Abdi, thank you so much for coming back and chatting with us and just sharing yourself with our listeners today. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I love being able to do this again. Thank you. Oh, Abdi the Great. That was Abby so fun. Great. <laughs> she, I, I, I feel like I learned a little bit more about our Abby, which was amazing. her story. Yeah, yeah, I feel like our listeners and you know whoever who happens to listen, like we we got to know her on a personal level today. It was really sweet. Yeah. What was your takeaway from our conversation? Um. <laughs> you know, I really appreciated her. I actually really loved her imagery for how she holds hope in the counseling mm. space. I thought it was really sweet. I mean, I think all counselors do that. Um, I'm just such a massive fan of using imagery and word pictures in the counseling room that I love her. It makes me feel it. I don't know. It does mm-hmm. feel like a balloon that you kind of hold and then you hand to the client. So, I, I, yeah, it was just such a sweet tool. 
that felt so warm and heartfelt and genuine. Uh, yeah, so that's that was my takeaway. Her hope balloons. I'm taking away her hope balloons. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What was your takeaway? Gosh, I think um, there are several things, but I think just um, the piece about boundaries and how what she's kind of noticing and how clients are coming in as she said that you know it was just a kind of a good observation she was noting because I was thinking gosh I think I've seen some of that myself you know and just how folks are presenting for their work and so that was an interesting reminder I think um you know that that these these moments in our history these pandemic type moments are so Mm -hmm. major that they shift the human experience and the way that our clients come into the space will be different, you know, it yeah. will change that and to not um, kind of get in ruts, if you will, like here's how clients tend to present and like you can, and, and not that I felt like I was there, but it was just a good reminder and I, I liked um, her reflection there and then I'm super in love with the idea of hot Cheetos and lime and I'm, I'm going to have to figure out that ASAP. So that, that was also a very important takeaway. I know. I have conversation about that. <laughs> I'm taking away your snack. Um, I, I have seen her post on that on social media, like um, even like long intensive weekends that we've either co-led or moderated together with her and like, you know, I'm snooping on her, her Insta story and she's like snacking in the middle of moderating this online class. And I'm like, that's hot Cheetos and lime. Like I've seen her do this. So, <laughs> so great. It looks I'm so like, delicious. Oh man. So you're taking away your snack. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Amongst all the other wise and lovely things. Oh yeah. Shows, so. I, I don't know what you said at the beginning. Like she's a double threat. And then it was like, well, actually she's a triple threat. And I, I just, Abby is so crazy talented on so many mm-hmm. levels and brings so much value to the mental health world. I feel really blessed and lucky that she's on our team. Same. Thank you for joining us. Arable Podcast is hosted by Jenna Mountain and Kimberly Galindo. And edited and co-produced by Chris Vargas and hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit our website, arablepodcast.com, and find Arable Podcasts on Instagram or Facebook. You can also find both of us on Facebook. You can find me, Kimberly Galindo, on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo. And me, Jenna Mountain, on Instagram at the Jenna Mountain.